1: Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva Presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides
0: and seconds with Canva Presentations at canva.com, designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today, we're talking
1: four-day work weeks, AI investing, and diamonds are for suckers.
0: Maybe a little AI investing, but we're actually going to talk about investing in AI. And it's uh, so hot right now. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you should you should take all your money out of other investments and funnel it in that direction? Yeah, and you mentioned diamonds. We're, we're going to talk about gold a little bit today as well. This is our Friday flight. Where I just we're going to, to know where the gold at, man. <laughs> We'll link to that video if you've never seen it. It's under his mattress, uh, by the way. Did, man, I came across it was a post about some of the like the. Do you remember E-bombs World? Yeah. The yes. top videos from E-bombs, and there was one the dance guy. Uh, this guy that does this incredible dancing. It still blows my mind when I see that thing. Like it was a classic then, and I even now I'm just like, how in the. W-? He was way ahead of his time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if you're listening and you have no idea what I'm talking about, head over to the show notes because does that site still <laughs> exist? <laughs> it- I don't know but i, I guess i saw uh Sounds like a relic from a bygone era I'm, sh- I'm sure i saw it on instagram where they're just uh, trying to appeal it was a nostalgia play yeah. and like you remember these videos uh, <laughs> that you watched while you were in college it was like the videos <laughs> and then it was also like the remixes of the videos
1: yeah. and the putting songs to it and it, i want to know it was a gold that that's that's also that's a good a, one
0: but yeah. this is our friday flight and we're going to talk about personal finance stories the most important ones that we think you should be paying attention to. And I feel like we're a little looser during this episode. We had a break last week. Yeah, it is. It was fall
1: break for our kids' school. Did y'all have a good break? Yeah, we went down to the beach. We actually, fortunately, had a free place to stay because my aunt has let us borrow her spot, which was nice. Like the exact opposite of Uh, what we had. (laughs) You spent a lot of money because you took the kids to Disney, which I want to hear about in just one second. But I want to say that one thing that uh, I... So there's like this outlet mall right across from where my aunt... My aunt's condo is okay. literally right across the street. So we went over there and I Naturally. realized, <laughs> uh, well, no, here's the thing. I've known this before, but this only cemented it in my brain. Outlet malls are kind of like a scam. They are, the discounts are kind of bogus, and outlet malls seem like this place where you're going to get all sorts of great deals. You're going to buy things on the cheap. It's not really the case. Like I even went into uh, the North Face store while I was there just to check it out. Nice. Didn't buy a thing. But every Single thing in the store was fifty percent off. Uh. So it's
0: like uh, these these <laughs> fake
1: discounts. If you're a, a good shopper, you can get better prices elsewhere. Did you whip out the phone check any prices, or was it just that blatant? It was that blatant. Really? It was. Okay. Well, and the other thing that's worth worth noting is lots of times these outlet stores they sell inferior products, and you can tell based oh, yeah. on looking at the tag. So it's not like it was
0: something well, it's from like last Crew, year. It's like J. Crew factory. Yeah, license. exactly. Factory stuff. I've, I feel like I've noticed that it's not as it's not as nice. It's like irregular
1: cuts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so you have to be material. You have to be careful going to the outlet malls thinking you're going to get a good deal. One, it might not be a good deal. And two, it might be a crappy product.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'll share my my quick fall break story. So we went to Disney. I think I mentioned that earlier in the year that we we're finally going to do the Disney thing after y'all did it all summer. We we're like, all right, maybe we, th- maybe we so did we a che- lot. Maybe too much <laughs> worth checking out. No, we had planned on going down there. I guess it was back in like February once we finished reading the uh, Harry Potter stories because we're like, all right, we've got to get down to Universal specifically to check out the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Why not attack on Disney? And of course, you, while you're down there, but, um, that's how they it, get you. dude, we paid out the nose. It was so expensive, and we booked all this before we talked with Lynn Mettler about, <laughs> about getting down there for, for cheaper, but we had a very specific time frame that we were shooting for, I guess, I know we paid out the nose, but compared to what prices were, like we looked up prices even as we're driving down for the same same period of time. And I don't know if it was just because it was last minute or what, but it was significantly more expensive than when we had previously booked. Mm. And that got us to doing a little more exploring and we're like, I wonder, like when are the cheapest times to, to head down to Disney? When are the most expensive times? And we found that there can be a significant difference. If you are looking at, say, the shoulder season, you can expect to pay like anywhere between like twenty and thirty percent less, not only for lodging but also for park tickets. Yeah. But then when it comes to peak season which evidently this makes sense after having gone to Disney is around Christmas because <laughs> yeah. they evidently they, they decorate like crazy for the holidays. Well, the worst time to go is the middle of summer because well, it's 110 <laughs> degrees <laughs> then you're you're literally dying. Yeah. You have to pay for a hospital visit. <laughs> uh, but it can be 50% more expensive so you can typically expect to pay 150 50% of the typical price. Wow. Uh, if you are looking at going during those coveted holiday weeks and, and it makes sense, right? Because it's Christmas, no matter where you are in the world, yeah. basically. As opposed to going, say, on a fall break, which are staggered. Not all uh, school districts have fall breaks, things like that. So oh, they don't overlap. Yeah, yeah, they don't overlap. So certainly try to, if you're, if you are considering, not just uh, traveling down to Orlando, but. Anywhere, man. Like, consider going when other people are not going to make the most of your dollars. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. Glad y'all had a good. Oh, it was great time. And I think one other thing
1: worth noting, by the way, is that there are more deals on Disney tickets right now. Like, I, I saw I've seen advertisements for 49 bucks a day, which is. Crazy low for Disney. I think it's because their crowds are down and they're mm-hmm. trying to bring more people back to the park. And so, but even it, still, they don't discount not very often. Believe,
0: but, <laughs> just, oh, it's still it's, a sea of people. It's a sea of people, and it's just it's just a lot of money. Yeah, uh, especially when, you, when you've got six folks. Yeah, uh, that's, that's true. That you're paying tickets
1: for. Hey, hey you chose to have all those kiddos. Right? Hey, that's true. <laughs> all right, uh, let's move on, Matt. Let's get to the the Friday flight. A quick sampling of stories we found interesting this week, and let's start off by talking about four day work weeks because I feel like this has become. It's such a common uh, topic of conversation these days. There's more and more in the news, but just kind of in like individual conversations about how much are we working and how much it, what's desirable, right? And uh, one of the demands, basically, from the United Auto Workers Union, which like they're they're striking right now with the big three automakers, well, they're one of the main concerns is around that very perk, right? They want to work 32 hours a week instead of 40. Some people think of four-day work weeks as four 10-hour days. But no, I think a, l- a lot of companies uh, uh, in, in certain tests around the world have actually gone to four eight-hour workdays, and they've seen decent results. And there's this new survey from, from Bankrate, which finds that 89% of Americans would prefer to reduce their work week by a full day, too, it, which makes sense, right, that, that folks would want to work less if all else, compensation and benefits, stayed the same. And more than half of those folks said they'd be willing to change jobs or even work in an entirely different industry in order to pull this off, in order to get one more day, have a three-day weekend every single weekend. And I see the draw on this, right? You and I, we work really hard four days a week, and we we pull a much more chill half day on Friday. We usually are in here... Sometimes
0: sometimes we'll even take Friday off.
1: Sometimes we take it all the way off. So lots of times it's three or four hours worth of work, though, where we put our heads together, start planning and stuff like that. But if anything, you and I were likely to cut back on the number of hours we work even more in the future. We're probably not going more nose to the grindstone, but trade-offs are the ultimate reality in life too, right? And while it can make sense in some industries and some folks can be just as productive, those trade-offs might also not be worth it for a lot of folks. They might see reduced benefits, reduced pay.
0: And so they might say,
1: oh, less work sounds good. But then when the Paycheck hits the bank account. I'm disappointed.
0: But that that being said, it might be worth it to leave some money on the table in order to have more work-life balance. Uh, if that is what you're after, we are all for that. We are all for individuals choosing what it is that they want their lives to look like. But I, I, one of the things that stood out to uh, in the survey to me was the fact that basically the four-day work week was like was much more prioritized than the hybrid work environment, mm. which which according to that survey, uh, came in a lot lower, which points out to me that it seems like at least folks are looking to create more of that separation of work and life, right? Like they're tired of like that work identity creeping into their daily lives where it feels like they're, you know, possibly. always on call. Always. Yeah, exactly. And it just kind of muddies the water. And so in my mind, and I'm all for this as well, kind of having more of that division. But I think it also highlights the fact that folks are willing to actually go into the office and I think individuals are, are starting to see the benefits of that. It's like, well, OK, I don't mind going in, if especially if it means I can go in for one fewer day. <laughs> but there are certain benefits of going back into the office, right? Like the ability, just the social connection, socialization part of going in and hanging out with your especially coworkers. Especially
1: younger workers. It's yes. good for their career in so it's many ways. It's good from right? a
0: networking standpoint. I, I truly think you're able to be more productive when you're able to meet in person as opposed to like the different Zoom calls and whatnot. But then... There's just less temptation, I think, as well, right? Because when you're at home, you're like, oh, I'm kind of, I'm going to go do a chore. Let me go start laundry yeah, <laughs> real quick. Or, or let me go empty the dishes. It all blends
1: together. And so you're answering yes. an email at 9 p.m. at night in your PJs when I otherwise, you, if it was just all in office or at,
0: or and when you were at home, you were home, then you wouldn't have that conundrum. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess that stood out to me that folks were, it seems like more folks are interested in switching to that four-day work week if that means that they're totally on working hard for those four days, yeah. but then they can do whatever they want on that Friday off if, if that's the option that they're going to take. But yeah. I think it comes down to, I guess, knowing what it is that you're looking for and just advocating for yourself and trying to find a way to make it clear to your employer, to your boss, your manager, that this is something that's definitely possible as long as you're able to get the work done. It's,
1: it's always fascinating to me that British economist John Maynard Keynes, he wrote in 1930 that his grandkids were going to be able to have 15 hour work weeks. And I, I get where he was going, that the way that things were trending when it came to productivity and income growth were like, hey, if people kind of keep their living standards roughly the same. They can dial back on work substantially and have a lot more leisure time, but the thing is, it's a big old if <laughs> our desires have kept up with our rising paychecks, sure. and so like our prosperity as it increases, we we want to partake more in that instead of having and being able to and, and paying for more of that leisure time. And by the way, I think too, it's worth mentioning that some people, the Elon Musks of this world, who don't really have, I think, many pleasures outside outside of all the work they do, that is, it, those people benefit the the world in so many ways also. Uh, electric cars, space travel, that kind of stuff, right? And so uh, I think entrepreneurs and certain individuals will continue to grind to build great stuff and they'll benefit more financially from it. There are always trade-offs. And so the the, the call for the four-day work week, that desire, I get it, but it's often going to come with strings attached.
0: Yeah. And like you said, the ability for us to keep our desires in check, I think that is oftentimes what keeps us from realizing more leisure time, yeah. like more time that we own fully, we're basically buying too much junk. Uh, I saw a recent stat, I, like over 60% of all online purchases st- originate with Amazon specifically. Wow! And so we wanted to, to share this story. Uh, Project Nile, Evidently, this is Amazon's new AI initiative. Uh, There's some stories leaking about that this week. Uh, and so up until this point, it, like it seems that AI, like that, it's mostly been a benefit to. Like content creators, right? Like, like some writers out there, they've used the large language models to to craft introductory paragraphs on articles they're writing. Uh, programmers, uh, coders, they've certainly taken advantage of it. Graphic designers have used it for for image generation. That's actually one of the ways I've used it for us. The like, yeah. create little little graphics uh, for our podcast. You, but like sh- you like show me every time because you're still fascinated <laughs> by the way it infills graphics. It blows my yeah. mind. Like it's it's crazy how well it works. But we're starting to see retailers now jump on board, trying to use AI in order to to make your shopping a better experience, right? (laughs) So that these retailers can make better suggestions for you. They just want to be able to curate and take care of you. Which is so sweet, right? Of course, so that you're going to spend more money. (laughs) I'm really curious to see what this is going to end up looking like in the real real world. But I'm nervous about all the ways that AI is going to be implemented to part us from our money. I'm, I'm curious to see how pervasive it's going to become and how it's going to impact us. Like, Because it, it makes me think about how I shop online. I love it, right? Because the ability to get on a browser to go to Google Shopping, to go to eBay or, yeah, we, we use Amazon. You type in or the Target object. or Walmart. Yeah. I mean, there's a billion places that people shop online. But which. you search it, you find it, you compare some prices, you make the purchase and then you're done. I'm saying you, but me, like this, this is how I use it as opposed to, but I think back to the in-shopping experience, which for me is terrible, man. Like the, basically, like you have to walk through all walk past all the different displays and all of a sudden there's all these things in front of you that you didn't know you needed and granted they do that with ads and mm-hmm. how they position items when you you know when you're on a site like Amazon but it still seems like that the the pendulum had been swinging towards the consumer when it came to online shopping there for a while but it feels like it's starting to swing back in the direction of retailers where they're able to harness technology and specifically AI to potentially get us to, to spend more money than we would have otherwise right yeah. like you mentioned target like they are the best at getting folks to buy stuff that they weren't planning to buy in because the actual of, store, yeah, in the actual physical store, b- because of the way they've positioned items and how they are, they're just really good at that. And so that's the part of using AI that companies like online retailers that I don't like. It's that little one dollar, two dollar, three dollar section right there at the very front oh, of gotcha. every
1: Target store, and my wife and kids they they, they beeline for it. <laughs> I'm always like, oh, no, let's keep moving, let's go for the thing that we came here for. But you're right, like that is that is a form, of, like a, a real world form of it. But this new AI model that Amazon's about to dump on all of us. Like, how is that going to impact our spending? I can see it going up, and evidently in January, is yeah. when we can be on lookout. Well, okay, for that. and something <laughs> happening in next week is is Prime Day number two this year. They do two Prime Days a year, so be careful too, because yep. they're going to like spit deals out at you. They're going to try to be emailing you notifications on your phone. Turn all that stuff off. If there's something you're really looking to buy, maybe you'll get a get a deal on Prime Day. But don't buy stuff just to buy stuff. That is that is a big big problem that are that we face as individuals these days right as mm-hmm. as these companies are Tugging on us, tugging on our wallets all the time. And uh, on the note of AI too, Matt, I feel like it, it can be used for good or bad. Like you highlighted yeah. some of the good ways and some of the bad. But there were stories going around this week about deepfakes that involved Mr. Beast, the YouTuber,
0: and Tom oh, Hanks. The iPhone giveaway. Yeah,
1: two dollar uh. iPhones or whatever. And then and then Tom Hanks like <laughs> <laughs> apparently shilling for some dental um, company or something like that. And he's like saying, No, it's not me. I think um, the one of the hosts of CBS CBS Mornings, uh, Gail King, she also had something like that happen to her. Deep Fake audio and video. Think about how much audio exists of your voice and my my voice, Matt. People could use our voices, create a bunch of fake nonsense. They're going to hear you reading for Wells Fargo. I know, yeah. They could <laughs> spam people like like no nobody's business. So we're, it feels like we're entering this brave new world with AI at the center of it. And it's just yeah. really important for, for our listeners, for consumers out there to protect themselves, to be aware that not everything you see is real life. That's true.
0: Yeah. And we're in a constantly changing world, right? And the technology is always going to be advancing. And at the end of the day, I think it's going to come down to us as individuals asking, is this too good to be true? In particular, when... Somebody's trying to parch you with a couple bucks. Two dollar like iPhone. How many phone? Fo- how many yeah. individuals can we can we dupe into sending us some money? Yeah. Um, you have seen the price on that new iPhone? Sounds a little twelve hundred,
1: not two dollars. Sorry. Although About. although I will say, Mister Beast is always giving away free money. Like, I know. I know. That's, <laughs> so you're like really. That's the seeing...
0: hard part is that he actually it does kind of align with how he tends to
1: operate. But if you're not seeing him in person. That then he's not giving you the money because he wants to video it for his YouTube channel. Yeah. So like yeah. he was like literally on a college campus and said, "How much do you pay for tuition this year?" And the dude was like, "Oh, fourteen thousand dollars." She's like, "Here's twenty thousand dollars. Pay it and have a little extra <laughs> And that's like the kind of stuff
0: he does, but he doesn't really do it through like Instagram. Yeah. Okay. So we've kind of been highlighting AI. Let's talk about AI in the light of investing because there are more funds, more ETFs, and mutual funds out there billing themselves as investing in AI-related companies. And these funds, though, are expensive as all get out. Humble Dollar—they took some of these AI funds to task in a recent piece. They basically highlighted their lofty expense ratios, combined with the reality that they're actually not all that different from some of the the, the current tech funds that already exist. It's that, all marketing, baby. Yes, yeah. So, if you are planning on investing in specialized funds like this, be sure to check out which companies that they're actually investing in. Because Vanguard, like they've got a. a of a technology ETF with a far smaller expense ratio that has many of the same holdings. And honestly, a lot of the holdings, like the t- the, the biggest holdings are the big, biggest companies. <laughs> yes, are companies that are in the S&P 500 anyway. Yeah. And so there's really no need to jump on a, a tech ETF to begin with. But it sounds this, so sexy because you know AI is the future and the you're new, seeing all this dude, other stuff coming out. It's the new out. ESG. It's yeah. the new environmental social governance so where hot right right now. it's like, is it actually, oh, I feel like it's on its way out now because that folks, it's, it's like, Oh, is it is it AI but what are the actual qualifiers that that allow a company to be included in an in ESG fund because we saw this last year when there's ExxonMobil when right. they get included in an ESG fund but then the likes of Tesla are excluded it tells you that oh yeah, maybe there's something else going yeah. on. it's not truly just about the environment and did Apple get get included just because of those janky goggles
1: they put out. I mean, come on, really? And, and are people actually buying those and using those? If you are one of those people, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to know your experience. Uh, okay, but let's talk about something else you can invest in, Matt. Something else that I would I would say is, is silly that you could invest in, and it's gold bars. Turns out, one of our favorite companies, Costco, is selling gold bars directly on their website. We love Costco. Don't necessarily love... Gold yeah, bars. I'm fine with them doing this, but it's probably not <laughs>
0: doesn't probably make sense for you it's, or I or most of our listeners dude, to buy more, them. Going back to marketing and branding and labeling, it's a, it's a, it's the marketing thing. It's like the um, the thirty two thousand dollar bottle of Scotch yeah. that, that they sold, or you could buy like the seventy pound uh, wheel of cheese p- Parmesan Reggiano. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's
1: that whole. thing. You can go overboard buy some yeah. Costco, that's for sure. <laughs> well, um, apparently they're they're selling out like instantly when they put these up there, probably because it's cheaper to buy a gold bar there than almost anywhere else, but. We like, Even though we like Costco, we're, you're not going to find us buying gold bars from them. No. And it's not because the price isn't right. It's because Costco Costco really is selling these these gold bars for about as cheap as you can find them. Barely more expensive than the spot price of gold right now. But still, don't buy these gold bars from Costco because storing gold is a pain in the butt. If you put it on your mattress, it's all lumpy and it's, you're not going to get a good night, night to sleep anyway. Selling it is another pain in the butt and so you you've got to ask what the purpose of that gold is before you buy it the truth is owning gold is a pessimistic play it's banking on the fact that you think the economy is going to go in the toilet and you think that this this piece of metal is going to help save your bacon uh, and prevent some of the losses you might otherwise experience optimists though should bet on people And ingenuity, Mm -hmm. not on a shiny piece of metal. This is, Matt, something I think we're going to see more of as we see more predictions of doom and gloom in the economy. I'm not saying we won't enter a recession. We might. But for long-term investors, the stock market is still a far better place to stick your money than gold bars under your mattress that you buy at
0: Costco. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So on the note of precious natural resources that are expensive, let's talk about diamonds here for a second. We uh, we talked about lab grown diamonds before, but it turns out that I guess natural diamonds or mined diamonds, the prices of those are going down fast because of how quickly consumers are getting used to. They're cozying up to lab grown diamonds, uh, and that's because they're physically identical to, <laughs> to mined diamonds, and uh, they don't come with the the same ethical baggage or the same cost. I think it's something like roughly half the cost of a, yeah. of a naturally mined diamond you can get a, a lab grown a synthetic diamond but uh um, and apparently yeah even experts who look through those fancy little monocle things to to it's check it's hard the, it's hard to tell you can't spot the definitely not to the naked eye yeah and so like so this makes me want to ask you if you were going to propose to Emily, if you were going to buy uh, buy an engagement ring, uh, oh, I would totally go lab grown. I totally would too. Yes. Like, I, I and think I'm actually thinking about taking <laughs> the real diamond out of it while the prices
1: are still high, selling it, and getting a lab grown diamond to replace it. And getting a larger, I'm not lab do grown.
0: That. <laughs> <laughs> I upgraded you. That seems. I just hate the way that that sounded coming out of your <laughs> mouth. <laughs> it just sounds so gross. But I totally wish. I can like retrospect the, I hate that stuff too. I, I think back, and I'm like, I can't believe they weren't a thing, they or w- they
1: were in the infancy
0: at least. Yeah, and it, it, when they did come up, it was the CZs, right? Like the cubic zirconia, which is a far cry from actual diamonds, yeah. diamonds that are lab grown. Yeah. So I don't know. We just wanted to throw that out there that the market seems to be tanking when it comes to precious stones, and not that you would buy a diamond anyway as an investment, but Sometimes you're able to brainwash yourself into saying that, oh, no, this is... Th- baby this is an investment in our future <laughs> but instead we would most definitely recommend considering uh, a lab grown well, instead sometimes the diamond sellers will hand you like a booklet that goes with your diamond oh
1: yeah that says that it's worth they like have to educate you well and it also says oh it's worth three times as much as I'm, I'm charging you for it and that's for insurance purposes but it's not really worth that much like if they're selling it to you for a third of the price of what it's they say it's worth well it, it's worth what they're selling it to you for yeah. or maybe even less so you got to be careful about that and by the way we're actually going to talk more about investing, DIY investing. We're going to get into kind of some nuanced, interesting specifics with Paul Merriman next week who talks about the, the, the two-fund strategy. The way that you should invest your yeah. in money, not we just talked about gold a dumb, bars a and bunch diamonds. Of, yeah, and AI funds. We talked about a bunch of dumb ways just uh, Avoid just all now. that. But if you're like, well, then how do I do it on the positive front? Well, we'll talk about that more next week when we interview Paul. But Matt, we've got more to get to on, on this episode, including the marry the home, date the rate phenomenon. A lot of people are being convinced to buy a home, even with interest rates being higher thinking they're going to be able to make a change mm-hmm. save themselves a lot of money in the future is that going to be the case we'll, we'll talk about that and more right after this
2: Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super-serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best-fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories, All
0: right, buddy, we're back. Let's keep talking about money. And it is now time for the ludicrous headline of the week. And this one comes from Insider. All right. For, the, formerly Business Insider. You don't get You ain't got to say they shorten They the just, name. Let's call it Insider. It's like Dunkin' Donuts. Now it's Dunkin'. It's is Dunkin'. <laughs> oh, speaking of... Uh, is it's it, not Starbucks anymore. It's Bucks. Is it this week? Or, no, that was a lie. Or next week that the, uh, the shack... The shack, uh, the Shaquille O'Neal owned Krispy Kreme that's burned down twice. Oh, is a, it coming back? Yeah, it's going to reopen. Oh, I th- Hooray. I, I can't remember if, it, if it's this week or next week. Uh, well, I don't really drive that part of town very much anymore, <laughs> but if I'm there, I'll pick you some up. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Alright, here is the headline from Insider. Tourist outraged by her $1,000 restaurant bill called the police after her group was served nearly 8 pounds of Alaskan king crab. By the way, this happened in Singapore, which is a notoriously uh, expensive country. But evidently, the waiter apparently suggested this expensive dish that comes with a very expensive meat. Didn't necessarily explain how the billing was going to work and that the cost, it wasn't for the entire dish i guess it was per gram uh when you gotta imagine of, of me the cost of alaskan king crab in singapore far exceeds the oh, sure. price of alaskan king crab here in the states i'm guessing so it's but from alaska you know <laughs> uh the tourist though she said that she wasn't notified about the price ahead of time and i'm not gonna lie it annoys me when a like a waiter tells me the, the special but doesn't mention the price But of course, if it sounds delicious and I'm interested, I'm going to ask how much it costs before I place my stink in order. I feel like this is one that falls squarely on the the tourist in this case. And here's the other part. Do
1: your due diligence.
0: Yes, absolutely. You don't just like blindly. I mean, if you've got the kind of money to where you're just like, yeah, bottle service, make it happen. <laughs> like that's, you don't ask questions at that point, but for the rest of us, peons, us peasants, you gotta, you gotta ask, ask the price. The other note is that this tourist was from Japan. And so I don't know if there's some sort of different like cultural, a, yeah, like a col- cultural difference there, but you have to, man, you gotta advocate for yourself. Like you, you, and it's just one of the... I don't just, order anything without knowing the price. Well, and it just blows my mind, too, that... I think when it says market price on a menu, oh, i sure. Like, what does that mean? What is the price today? But from a cultural standpoint, it, it, makes, it does make me wonder. Like, the fact that she thought it was illegal and that she should call the police as opposed <laughs> to re- knowing that, no, this is something that you have to look after yourself. Like, you, you, we're not going to turn to police or a government agency. Like, nobody cares about your money as much as you do and so it ultimately comes down to us as individuals
1: yeah and, and there was work she done on the front i think the yeah. restaurant kindly <laughs> gave her even some dis- a discount on the back end yeah, yeah i saw uh, that. after the fact which was really nice but yeah if if i really want crab legs uh, and they're overpriced i'm probably gonna go with the burger instead like those are the kind of decisions you make but you gotta ask you gotta get the information yes. before you place the order that's just weak sauce as a customer and i will say <laughs> that the, the the waiter as well please I, I really appreciate it when you tell me the price when you name the specials do that that should be a thing well what if it was a high-end
0: place where sometimes there are folks who are ballers and they no. you know, they're not required okay well to, i guess I,
1: maybe if they're the kind of places <laughs> i don't hang out but you know i i would like to know when you're saying it, it just makes it it makes it does make it a little awkward i'm willing to enter into that awkwardness because i'm not going to order something when i don't know sure. the price but tell me the price when you're naming the specials. especially if there's yeah. like two just say oh this is 38 dollars. oh this is 29 I mean, market market rate today is yes whatever
0: please exactly. Do that when you're well, 20. it comes down to just money being taboo, right? And so the more we talk about it, the more we're able to make it less taboo and it's less awkward yeah uh, for for anybody to ask what the price of something is. All
1: right, Matt, let's move on. Let's talk about finfluencers for a second. And the truth is you and I we like democracy. We think it's we think it's great. And yeah, forget uh forget Singapore. I don't know. Actually, I don't even know if Singapore's is the players I think they're, right. I think they're mm, close. Yeah. So but like when things get democratized, it, we, we talk about like the democratization of investing. How anybody can do it and for the most part that's been that's been a really good thing, although there are some buzzsaws that people can run into now that it's so darn accessible. Um, but it's not So it's not always, always good. And the truth is everyone has their ability to make their voice heard these days. And so it, it turns out that we're drowning in a sea of useless content. When you scroll, if you scroll Instagram, which I try to avoid, I've never really been on TikTok. It, it seems that like you could scroll for hours and be dumber kind of at the end of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but there's this article in CNBC about how tax professionals are trying to combat factually incorrect assertions that are happening all over social media on the tax advice fronts. But it's kind of like playing whack-a-mole because there's so many... Dummies out there Mm -hmm. saying dumb things on these channels, and so the uh, the tax experts they talked about how there's often a kernel of truth in the TikTok or the Instagram reel, but it's either misleading or those folks are making outright false statements, and it can be misleading by the fact that like you're saying one thing, but you don't really fully understand exactly how something works. And we've always said, Matt, that there are some really good uh, and thoughtful creators in the social media space. But the medium makes it hard to convey nuance, and that's especially true for a complicated and individually specific topic like taxes, not to mention the fact that anybody can get on there and say whatever they want, and you have to be discerning. Again, I feel like this is episode is all about individual discernment, but you sure. have to be discerning yeah. who you're listening to, how far you're taking their advice, whether or not you're double-checking other sources first before you act, and we encourage that for this show. Like. Uh, d- take our advice, hopefully, with, as part of a fact-gathering mission, not as like, well, Matt and Joel said it, so I'm doing it. Sure. Absolutely. All right.
0: So speaking of being led astray, folks are being convinced that they'll be able to refinance if they buy a home now at a higher rate. This is going to your um, what'd you say? uh, Marry the home, date the rate. rate Phenomena. Uh, A new report from US News found that 82% of recent homebuyers were told that they could buy now and refi later. Uh, Real estate agents, loan officers, they're the the main culprits here. They're the main groups of folks who are spreading that information, which is it's kind of true, but it's not really giving folks all of the facts because half of the folks were convinced that they'll be able to refinance that new mortgage in under a year, which is Highly unlikely. Well, I guess you could refi, but uh, not necessarily at a lower rate. And 13% of folks said that they won't be able to continue making payments if they aren't able to refi in the future, which is not a position you want to be in. You don't want to have to be relying on the best case scenario happening mm-hmm. in order for you to stay put in the home that you just it's, purchased. It's kind of like buying a, a home at, and saying, oh, the
1: numbers make sense if I rent it out on Airbnb. Well, you want to make sure the numbers make sense if you can't rent it out on
0: Airbnb too, just in case the laws change in your local municipality. Exactly. Given the unpredictability of not only that platform, but yeah, what might be happening there wherever wherever it is that you that you live. And by the way, let's kind Of touch on the interest rates, mortgage rates, because like the, the anomaly isn't where mortgage rates are currently, right? Like at seven and a half percent, I think I, I googled 30 year mortgage rates right now, and like the, the Google provided chart now, mm-hmm. I saw it crest eight percent for the first time, oh, which yeah. I'd never seen. Uh, which is mind blowing to actually see rates that high now, and it's
1: shocking, which is
0: why people are like, Well, I can't wait for them to come back
1: down, but that's just not guaranteed,
0: it's not guaranteed because. So like folks are saying, well, this is just a crazy time to buy, but we don't necessarily know that. But what we do know is that the decade or so where rates were in the twos and the threes that based on historical data, that that was the anomaly. And while the, you know, the Fed, they didn't raise rates at their last meeting, but they did indicate that rates are likely to stay higher for longer. A lot of economists are pointing to that fact that they may not be as high as they are now, but get used to higher rates for longer than maybe you were expecting. Yeah, again when you're buying a house if you're banking
1: on being able to refinance into a lower rate lowering those monthly mortgage payments well don't don't bank on it because consider a gravy on top if you're able to lower your mortgage uh, interest rate by a point and a half a year and a half from now but i wouldn't buy the home assuming that you're going to be able to do sure. that despite despite what the mortgage broker or your real estate agent says know that that's wishful thinking um Yeah, and and hopefully that's the case. It might become reality, but it might not. May not. Yeah, being house poor is just no fun. And and you know, given the spread between rents and the average mortgage mortgage payment these days, lots of folks are still better off renting, especially especially in some of those more expensive cities. I was looking at a couple of West Coast cities today, and it's like zero percent of the time, is it better off for you financially (laughs) to buy a home versus rent? And the spread can be thousands of dollars a month. Think about what you can do with that. Like You could try to shoehorn yourself into a mortgage and and buy. And for some people, it still makes sense. But renting is looking a whole lot better for a whole lot
0: of folks. Yeah. And there's a lot of great rent versus buying calculators. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I was going to say a lot of different great calculators out there. And I was going to mention, when are they going to update the the default rate? when you go to the the, the rent versus buying calculator? Because, man, doesn't it feel like salt in the wound when you go there and it's just it like... four and you're the, like... What? Yeah, yeah. The assumed mortgage interest rate is like 3.5%. <laughs> <laughs> you know, anybody that's considering it sees that and then, wouldn't that just make you mad? Oh, yeah. So all the um, folks who are in charge of managing those websites, go ahead and update those <laughs> 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 that's default rates. Put it on your to-do list. Yeah, but uh, that's going to be it for our Friday flight today. We hope everyone has a great weekend and we will see you back here on Monday with a brand new asset. How to Money episode. Yeah. And don't forget Paul Merriman coming up
1: on Wednesday. The dude is a fountain of information. Uh-huh. He's been in the investing space for like 60 plus years. His whole so. life. Yeah. Basically. Can't wait to have that conversation <laughs> with a guy who's basically a pioneer who, who met with the venerated Jack Vogel mm-hmm. at one time. So we'll, we'll talk with him on Wednesday. But Matt, that's going to do it. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. marketing.com.